Good evening and welcome to French Football Weekly. I am Philippa B and I'm joined for the moment tonight by Jeremy Smith. Hi, Jez. Hi. We've got Rich stuck in a traffic jam and Chris stuck on a train. So one or both of them may show up at some point during the podcast, but we're going to crack on as a duet for now. On which, as we've discussed previously, the best duet ever is, of course, Islands in the Stream by Dolly Parton and Kenny Watts's face. So, um, looking back at Le Weekend Kifu to start with, uh, we started on Friday night with uh, Monaco beating Lille 2-1 with goals from Ronnie Lopez and Stefan Jovetic after Matiba opened the scoring for Lille. Ronnie Lopez on Twitter um, making you know a, a, a very um, sympathetic tweet saying he wasn't he didn't feel like he could uh, celebrate that goal. Now, I know there's a lot of snark about hashtag muted celebrations, but given what Lille managed to do after their last match, you can't blame the guy for being a little bit cautious. Uh, we then move on to uh, Bordeaux nil Ren. Two and if Rich turns up, we may be hearing more about that later. Goals from Saar and Lashes himself, Gorkuf, uh, on the score sheet. Um, then the multiplex on Saturday. Another evening. muted celebration as well. Well, he's always muted. To be fair, that's true. <laughs> he's quite a muted kind of guy. Um, Moving on to the Saturday multiplex, we had Angers putting three past Caen, who were wearing their highlighter kits, which, um, you know, knackers the contrast on everybody's TV. But Tate, um, Carl Tucker Kambe and Prince Anyangi with the goals for Angers, who did themselves a world of good with that one. Um, Amiens and Trois drawing 1-1, which probably doesn't help either side massively, um, and some late goals as Montpellier drew 2-2 with Dijon. Uh, Dijon with a double from Wesley Said, including one in injury time to uh, to level that. And Toulouse-Strasbourg, which was utter chaos. Strasbourg opened the scoring in the 46th minute with through Blyak before Sonogo equalised and then put Toulouse ahead with goals in the 89th and 92nd minute before Kone uh, comprehensively pissed on their parade by getting another equaliser in the 95th minute um, and knackered his shoulder in the process. Then we move on to Sunday and with respect, Jez, I think we'll we'll gloss over Mets 1, Nantes 1. Um, I, wish, I wish I had. <laughs> yeah, well, and Saint-Étienne beat uh, Gangon 2-0 with goals from Subotic and uh, Remy Cabela, who had a very good game. And the two games we're going to be focusing on are the other two from Sunday. The first, Nice 1, PSG 2, which was at the new um, uh, media-developed early kickoff time of 1pm. Now, I did wonder if this would cause trouble because everybody would be having lunch, and indeed the Nice fans did put up a banner saying, Désolé, on mange. Sorry, we're eating. Um, but... It was a, a very entertaining game, um, pretty hectic from the start. Um, Sam Maximin uh, opened the scoring before Angel Di Maria got the equaliser and then Alves got a late winner for PSG. So what did you think of, of that, Jez? Was it a, a good advert for Liga in Asia? Um, it was certainly a better advert than if they'd 
shown mess against Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it was a really good advert. I think, um, I, I don't know how much thought was put into which match they showed. I suppose PSG was always going to be lot, one of the teams. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but on, yeah, on reflection, I think it was a really good choice. I mean, whether they were told to or not, I, I doubt, but I think a Lucien Favre team is always going to come out to play decent football. And, you know, they they really took the game to PSG. It wasn't PSG, you know, most of the season, most teams will, will sit back relatively, whether it's home or away, and, and just try to to defend against PSG. Even Angers the other day, who in the end really, really did take the game to them and sort of give them a scare. They started with um, top scorer Toko Kambi on the bench. Um, not, nice, on the other hand, you know, right from the off, decide, you know, played as if we're, we're going to go for the win. We're, we're not going to have any sort of complex about it. And, you know, we'll take you on at your own game kind of thing. And, and with the players they've got and last season and at times this season, they've, they've proven several times that they've got the ability to to take on the um, the, the best in the league. I, th- I, I think last year, did they beat PSG at home? I'm trying to remember now. Um... I'm thinking of winning a draw, maybe. Anyway, they yeah. certainly gave them a couple of tough matches and I, I think they did so again. And um, I don't think a, a draw would have been an, um, a flattering result for Nice as it, as it was PSG got the win. But, you know, I think, yeah, very good advert. Two really good mm. footballing teams. Um, three excellent goals. I mean, yeah. Alves' header was, was nothing special, but Rabiot's ball team was fantastic. Um, Sam Maxima sprinting away and, and finishing very coolly. And Di Maria, who I think a, a, a couple of minutes earlier um, almost scored a fantastic sort of airborne flicked back hill volley sort of thing. Um, that one was, was, I think, very well saved. But yeah, um, came back and really nice nutmeg and, and clever finish as well. So um, yeah, very good advert. And Verratti getting what I think is his 50th league ad booking. Yeah. Um, so however many billion people in China were, were honoured to, to be witnesses to that. <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, it started off, as I say, it was fairly hectic and you could see that um, Bashish at left back was pushing up quite a lot and you thought, oh, that might be a bit risky because he's not the quickest guy in the world and then he did get a knock which obviously didn't help but then yeah seeing kind of him being rinsed by St Maximan for the for the first goal you did see where um kind of the potentially bad choices by Emery if that if that was an instruction for Bashish to push up was um came back to bite them a bit if somebody is willing to to you know, take that opportunity. And I think St. Maxima, we saw him later on with a couple of poor decisions. And that's something that we've, you know, he's still very young and obviously that's going to still be a thing for a while. But that um, that goal was was very well taken, very calm, very composed, slotted, um, you know, kind of through Ariola's legs uh, for the first one. Yeah, then um, Di Maria's equaliser. And there were some... Then perhaps other odd decisions for from Emery. Obviously, he he took off uh, Cavani 
later on brought on Munier, so pushes Alves up on the wing uh, from the right back position, and that did work. Um, I think I saw you tweet that his plan against Real Madrid worked, but just kind of 10 days later against against Nice. So um, <clears throat> on that, it, it was a, a very fun game. Obviously, there's some great players on both sides. Um, Balotelli getting in and amongst it uh, as well. I see we've had some um, some uh, some messages on Twitter about uh, his behaviour versus the centre-backs um, and yeah, who, I go into who maybe bit, had the moral high ground there. I go into a couple of spats on that because I, I really didn't think that he'd done anything wrong. Um, and I thought it was quite clear that Silva and Kimpembe um, were not not um, sort of trying to wind him up, but doing a lot of play acting to try to get him in trouble, which I thought was really harsh. I, I don't, you know, I think there are a couple with Kimpembe where I just don't think there was anything in it whatsoever. Um, one of them, Kimpembe, really went down like he'd been shot or something. And then the, the one with Silva a bit later on, if anything, Silva caught Balotelli on the follow-through. Um, so, you know, obviously the PSG fans are all saying Balotelli with a disgrace, blah, blah, blah. I didn't, I didn't see too much in it. And, um, but with PSG generally, I mean, it's the usual sort of frustrations on both sides that, you know, a bit too much of that and the Ferrati, um, okay, this time wasn't too much dissent, but, you know, another booking and, you know, they're still always getting a little bit too too engrossed in that side of the game, I think. And then, yeah, as you said, that you know, the Emery thing, he, he looked very happy. He must have been really annoyed that, you know, it worked out this time and it didn't when he did it against Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And then Rabiot with, like I said, with a fantastic pass. And there was one a little bit earlier that he sort of sprayed left for, um, I can't remember who it was, maybe Beshish to, to cross in, almost led to another goal. Um you know, again, sort of frustration. Why didn't he do that against Real Madrid? Mm. You know, Real Madrid aren't could, Nice, but well, yeah. Like I was about, I was about to say, could there be, you know, a qualitative difference that explains yeah. uh, explains that? Possibly, <laughs> yes. So that obviously, and uh, PSG having played Angers midweek because they weren't busy and uh, they're trying to kind of catch up in advance of the Coupe de Ligue final at the end of the month. Um, Paris have a, have played one more game than everybody else now. They are peers at table, what's that, 17 points clear? So we're, you know, well on for what we thought, um, thought they'd win by at the beginning of the season. Um, so this takes us on to the second match we want to talk about, which was the Grand Choc the Olympico on Sunday night, which was Marseille versus Lyon, which finished 2-3. A Lyon win away at the Velodrome after another fairly hectic and chaotic situation, but in possibly a slightly less edifying way. Uh, So, Rolando opened the scoring uh, just after the half-hour mark. Rami assist. I love that the centre-backs combining uh, for, for the opening goal. Then Rami, unfortunately, had a slightly less happy uh, involvement in the game by uh, scoring an own goal 
for Lyon's equaliser, Rolando also possibly uh, a little bit culpable in the setup, but it was basically made by Dobele uh, putting the ball in. And then after half time, uh, Awar uh, with um, a lovely kind of slotted goal to put Lyon back in front. And then late on, we saw Mitroglou. Um, get a goal to level it and there was massive celebrations and they were looking forward to another 2-2 after you know Monaco and everything else and then it all kind of um, collapsed came back to bite them in injury time as Depay uh, got the winner with a header it, it kind of one of those kind of iconic photo moments he's bleeding he's got his top off and he's just scored the winning goal in injury time um away at the velodrome uh was quite interesting got booked obviously for for the shirt not for the blood um but yes that was a game which most of my marseille supporting timeline appeared to be just swearing repeatedly um how did you feel the scoreline reflected the um, uh, skills of the uh, respective teams. Um, I think I I feel like probably the next ten minutes or so might get me in trouble, but okay. I think the the scoreline was pretty flattering for Marseille. I think um, yet again they did. First of all, just very quickly talking about. Nice and um, PSG being sort of advert for Liga. I've been really critical a few times this year and still feel quite strongly about it, about how it's quite a drossy Liga this year. It's not a vintage season at all, but practically sort of big headline match uh, um, has been excellent. And so that at least is very good to see. And this was another one, you know, back and forth, both. Right, Jez, I think we're having some sound issues. Are you still there? Mention. Sorry? Right. I think we, we just had a bit of a wobble on the sound. I am. I just got a thing up saying my internet was dodgy or unstable, but I'm still here. Right. Well, we, we can we can crack on and hope okay. that goes away. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know what, what bit you heard or didn't hear. Um, I think you dropped out round about um can you hear me now yes oh this is not good right should we just should we just go with um dimitri paillet how how did you feel about him and i think we've gone completely <laughs> Okay, right. While we possibly wait for Jez to log back into the meeting, uh, just mention that uh, we do have the Women's Champions League happening on Wednesday and Thursday. It's the quarterfinals. Um, Montpellier will be playing Chelsea at Mosson on Wednesday evening, and Lyon will then be hosting Barca on 
Thursday evening. So both French teams still in the Champions League. What a surprise. Um, Montpellier-Chelsea is the closest of the quarterfinals in terms of betting odds and form. You're probably giving it to Chelsea a little bit, but then we're going to see see how that pans out, see if Montpellier can keep things going on that front. Lyon-Barca, obviously Barca are a very good team, but Lyon are Lyon. So that looks like it could be quite a comprehensive win. So look out for that. That's on L'Equipe 21 uh, channel in France for Montpellier Chelsea and OL Barca will be on Canal Plus Sport in uh, in France and presumably also both on UK TV, but uh, I'm not sure of the channels on that. So, Jeremy, are you back? I am. Marvellous. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I've just done a little um, kind of Champions League drop in there so we can go back to the Farago that was Marseille versus Lyon if you want to continue annoying people yes maybe that's why it cut off (laughs) Um, yeah basically I I thought that Lyon were overall the better team and 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 the sort of main players you know Rami and Rolando sort of heroes and villains um, and Dombele Arua, who I thought was fantastic mm-hmm. through the match, and as it turns out, was extremely ill before and after the match, which Ooh. just makes his performance even more impressive. Oh, bless him. Um, yeah, he's uh, apparently had fever. He lost lots of weight. He was hospitalized. And I think the reason he was <gasps> substituted was because he had dizzy spells. Um, Jesus. And he's since pulled out of the France under-21 squad. So, yeah, even more impressive. Um, but yeah, the, the one name that, that you didn't mention, who arguably was man of the match, was Steve Mondonda, because oh, he came yeah. up with three cracking saves, particularly the one from Cornet that he pushed mm-hmm. onto the post, which frankly kept Marseille in the game. I mean, I say Marseille were the better team, certainly until they scored their first goal. And pretty much after that, it was more or less one way traffic. Um, mm-hmm. I think that. Yeah, as I said, Iowa ran the match. Um, Rami and Rolando, I mean, it, it comes back to pretty much all the, the faults that we sort of highlighted with Marseille up till now. You can't fault their record against everyone else except the ones at the top. As Lecky mentioned yesterday or today, I can't remember, that the highest ranked team if we're not going to count the third-place team in Slovenia and the fourth-place team in Portugal, the highest-ranked team that Marseille has beaten at the time of beating them has only been seventh place. That's not impressive. I would argue it's reasonably par for the course because I think Marseille's squad is not very impressive. So I suppose it depends what way you look at it. I mean, there was an interesting debate on on French TV after the match between Habib Bay and... and um, Mm. Antonetti, um, sort of one of them saying um, Rudy Garcia has done a great job because he's beating everyone else and the other one saying well he's not doing a great job because they should be mm. beating anyone else and if he's a great manager he'd be finding a way to, to really compete against the top teams I'm not sure where I fall in that I think it's somewhere in between but the fact is they've played in the six matches against 
the other teams in the top four, they've they've got two draws and four defeats. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's a similar record going back to I think something like 2013. Um, so th- there's an issue there. There's a complex there, and where players like Rami and Ronaldo, you're uh, Orlando, you're probably not expecting them to do anything special. Um, although, frankly, I think they both should have done better for the first goal and they both should have mm-hmm. done better for the last goal. These are the matches where Payet and Tovat and players like that should be stepping up. Payet wasn't too bad. Um, and I think Tov- we, we've talked about Tovat being basically the, the one man who is OM, stands for one man. Yeah. You can't expect him to do it every game. And I know you'd say that if he's going to bring it, it should be in the big games. But if he's having to bring it every game, then it perhaps isn't surprising that it's, you know, at some point he's going to disappoint in a big game because he is having to do so much. That's fair, but I I think he's disappointed in every big game. Um, And. As a general point, I think that's absolutely true. But if we're talking about a player who Marseille fans seem to sort of bow down and worship, a player who they think should be starting for France, that kind of thing, then I'm expecting more from him. Um, um, yeah, and things kind of finished with a little bit of a punch-up as well, <laughs> which is... I. Um, Lopez was kind of being shepherded off the field by Stewart. You could see the look on his face. He's basically fed up of getting just um, involved in, in involved in this kind of situation. I mean, that looks fairly a fairly general bagarre. Uh, yeah. You say. I, um, but would it? It seemed to come. There were lots of people kind of sharing the same clip and claiming it meant two completely different things. Um, yeah, I mean, I assume we're not going to take anything that Mo says in the Marseille versus Lyon match too, too seriously. But well, there was there was there was a bump, and then there was another bump, and the second bump was way bigger. Basically, I mean, I I think both teams and clubs acted pretty disgracefully all the way through, yeah. in a way that we absolutely don't want to see, and absolutely do want to see, of course. But mm-hmm. um, I mean. Whether whatever Marcelo and Rami exchanging words, Rami punched Marcelo twice, once sort of a little earlier on, and then I think a quite clear shoulder charge sort of as as the referee mm. blew for full time. Marcelo reacted ridiculously with his holding his shirt up. Um, so yeah, I kind that. of I was trying to watch all of it because it looked like when they were, you know. Going away, waiting for the final whistle, Marcelo bumped Rami and then got flattened basically as in a, no, this is how you do that situation. Uh, I wasn't expecting that to kick off into, you know, a 22-man rolling ruck. I mean, that was was a bit silly. I think this is something that started actually before the match and you know mm. really on all sides Olas obviously is just uh, you know the, the the king of all shit stirrers anyway um i think Lyon this time have kept relatively low profile before the match just because they've been in such bad form recently mm-hmm. and certainly and didn't after, have the kit. yeah and after the Euro- 
Oprah X, I think sort of their issues are much more internal than mm. than focusing on Marseille, you know, rumors of Genesio handing in his offering his resignation. Um, but you had Garcia stirring up beforehand. You had Onguisa giving an interview beforehand saying, my role is basically to, to, to sort of, well, explore I don't know how you want to... Put the your opposition, destroy yeah. the opposition. Stuff all the way through, you know, Tovan after the match saying they'll pay for this, which I felt was particularly weak coming from the invisible man. Um, but I thought, interestingly, probably the, the, the best person in all of this, as he was maybe during the match, was Steve Mondondo because yeah. he... <laughs> He has a, a look on his face, which he, is just like, lads, for fuck's sake. Whether it's the fight or the football, basically. Yeah, but he, he, like, he actually got, in, he got involved a bit, which is like, very unlike him. And he's the only one who afterwards said, I apologise sort of thing. Mm. And also, I mentioned the word explosive. Surely not coincidentally, I'm sure he meant it um you know it was a reference to the Anguisa um I can't remember exactly in what context but it was you know basically we should all be very embarrassed of ourselves and yeah I think mm. the football is more important and we didn't do that brilliantly today yeah no I we think I, I, I've, I've got a note poss- down that just says Grand Mandanda uh from the first yeah, half definitely. and I think he he you know was as you say the the adult in the room possibly as yeah. well as one of the best players on the pitch. Yeah. Um, we should probably also mention that a lot of the tension probably also came from the fact that just after Marseille equalised, um, Mitroglou was pretty much set free one-on-one. The referee blew for offside, and it was actually from the free kick for the offside that Lyon scored. Um Again, it's it's one of those very marginal things. Interestingly, Lecky showed uh, a sort of freeze frame of, you know, as they do for offsides. Mm. And literally half his body was on one side of, of the halfway line, the other half on the other. And Said and Jimmy, the, the former referees, sort of taken on a bit of a Graham Pole go-to mm. man in France when there's a controversy, said it's extremely marginal if there's any doubt you should give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker but look at the photo actually he was just offside so again i'm not sure that particularly satisfies marseille fans but um yeah i think um just i mean looking at the stats the possession was fairly level a little bit more om as you'd expect for the home side shots fairly level on target fairly level the pass completion actually marseille were better by 83 to 76 it was the stats suggest it was an even game and as you say if it hadn't been for uh, a very impressive performance from Mondanda, it could have been a much more pointed result. Um, I think uh, a word also for Ferla Mendy, who kept, who was one of the reasons why Tovan was uh, kind of, as you said, the, the invisible man. He did uh, a very good job on muffling uh, the kind of the threat coming in from that corner. Um, now, obviously, both of these teams had played in the Europa League 
uh, on the Thursday previously with very differing fortunes and in fact differing from uh, the match we saw because OM won 2-1 away at Athletic Club uh, to take that tie 5-2 on aggregate. Uh, a very impressive uh, set of results from them. And they go through to the next round and will face RB Leipzig, which is doable, eminently doable. Um, who's the ex-PSG player at RB Leipzig? I get confused. Where they've, got, they've got Augusta up front. Yes. They've also got um, Upamecano and oh, yes. I think it's Kanate, who both yeah, played centre-back. Back. And I think allowed Bayern, I can't remember if it was two or four only shots on target at the weekend. So And that's cracking because they're stat. both, what, 20, 21? They're not. They're both still teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> so that could be interesting. Um, conversely... And this is the reason for the alleged Junicio um, resignation letter, which all us refused to take. Lyon lost 2-3 to Cheska Moscow at home, uh, which made that 3-3 on aggregate and Cheska going through with those three away goals. Um, so Lyon out of, of the Europa League. Now, the rumours are, obviously, as we said, that, that Junicio offered to resign after that, Aulis refused to take it. That's not being confirmed, obviously, by anybody. But, I mean, that's... Given that things are still a little bit awkward, uh, the Genicio Demission hashtag is back in a, in a big way. Um, the, if, if there is, you know, the... the uh, standard, you know, the board has full confidence in statement coming out at any time. I mean, that could make this even more awkward and problematic if things continue to not go particularly well. But maybe we're in a situation now where Lyon are basically safe in fourth, obviously. They're now only two points off Marseille in third. So they don't need to do anything drastic because it's either going to be what they've got at the moment or a bit better. There's, you know, there's no risk involved perhaps in keeping Genesio at this point, however much that might annoy certain factions of the Leon faithful. What do you think about how, you know, that, that might pan out? I certainly don't see any point whatsoever in, in changing anything now, mm. now with eight matches or whatever the season left. Um, I think they make do with what you've got. Genesio and the players have proved, proven that they are capable of beating anyone on their day. Um, they've beaten PSG, they've beaten Marseille away, they've beaten um, Monaco. Um, the problem is against the, the smaller teams and maybe that they don't have the the nous to play against the teams that sort of shut up shop and let them have the ball. They need to, they need to learn to find a way to break through these defenses. But um, yeah, I think, you know, that, that possibly, I think even if they'd, they'd lost on Sunday, they probably would have just put up with Genesio till the end of the end of the mm. season. There's just no point changing now and who that, who are they going to bring in? No. If, if people are available, they'll, they'll be available and more likely to be available in the summer. Um, 
whatever happens, I can't. I think he probably will leave in the summer. Mm. Um, but I think it will be done in a in a decent way. Whatever else, he seems a very decent guy. And even to be fair to Olas, he, he generally gives his managers, you know, decent runs, decent chances, and usually handles it in a in a pretty nice way. Mm. So. Yeah, I think I think whatever happens, Genesio will go. I'm not sure who'll come in, um, but I think it'll be it'll probably be handled pretty well. Yeah, well, we hope so. So um, the final point is that we are now in an inter- international week, an in- interlull, uh, as they say. So France are playing Colombia on Friday and are away in Russia on Tuesday should be interesting climactically speaking so we've had uh, obviously the the squad announced the 24 players has had to be a, a bit uh, maybe unusual in that we've got uh, an injury list featuring Nabil Fakir, Alexandra Lacazette, uh, Ben Mendy obviously as well as Jale, Kama, Gamero who have been called up over the last 12 months, but also unavailable. So we've got a couple of debutants in the side. Uh, Wissam Ben Yedda, obviously, uh, of Sevilla after his wonderful performance uh, against Manchester United, uh, is brought into the attack. And Hernandez, Lucas Hernandez, is in the defence. Probably as left-back rather than centre-back. And... Looking, obviously, uh, Luca Dean is the other left back who's been called up, but he's not playing that much for Barca, which is, I suppose, uh, something that can happen when your direct competitor is Jordi Alba. Um, so, do we do we think uh, either of them are going to get get a significant amount of of time to play over these next two matches? I looking at this and thinking Hernandez might well get might well get a start. What do you think? I think they'll they'll both get a good chance. I think that Hernandez, as you said, as we've said before as well, you know, full backs is a problem position for France. Mm-hmm. And at left back, which actually I think is probably stronger than right back, um yeah, Mendy should be and I think would be um absolutely nailed on mm-hmm. for, for the starting spot but we don't know if he's going to come back in time well there, um, were, there, were, there were some rumors people saying why doesn't Furlan Mandy get get a, a, a shot at it and I wouldn't be averse might, to that mate. might be a bit early but why not I mean he's very yeah, good my only issue with him is he seems to give away a lot of penalties <laughs> but yeah. um, apart from that I think yeah I think he's I think he's really solid and very good going forwards. I you know certainly I think I'd have him I'd have him ahead of Kazawa right now, certainly. Yeah. Um Dinya, I think in the last last or last but one set of internationals, I think he did play well. So I think that's probably helped him a lot. Um but it's definitely a problem position and Hernandez is a very good player. He's also obviously able to play at centre back. I think it's probably his preferred position, but Luckily, there's a decent choice of centre-backs right now, but 
Yeah, so I, we've got you know, Umtiti, Varane, Koscielny and Kimpembe as the centre-backs. Yeah. Kimpembe yet to get uh, a senior cap, although he has been called out before. So this, again, might be uh, a chance for him to, to pair up. Kimpembe, Umtiti. You've still got Laporte and um, Zuma, who are unlucky mm. to miss out as well. Yeah, so I think um, that looks interesting. Midfield, um, obviously, Tom Lamar's had... He's listed as a midfielder apart from anything else, which offends me slightly. Um, mm. He's had a difficult season with uh, shoulder injuries, muscle injuries, and, and things like that. Um, we've got Kante, Matuidi, Pogba, Rabio, Tolisso. I mean, Rabio is really kind of playing himself into... Uh, playing himself into contention there. So that would be interesting to see who who starts um, in the yeah, midfield I'm not, situation. I'm not entirely convinced about that. But uh, just quickly on, on Hernandez, also Atletico Madrid's starting left-back is out for the rest of the season. That, so mm. that could play into his and France's hands. But yeah, and in midfield, I mean, the other day in, in Lecky, they had this sort of barometer of French players and they had Tolisso down and Rabiot up, which, I, was, I mean, Tolisso is excellent for France in the last couple of matches and has had a very good season for for Bayern. Rabio I like a lot, but and I've said well, they're before, two I think very he's different been, players, aren't they? Yeah, but I, I get the feeling they could end up playing for sort of competing for the one spot in midfield. Mm. I mean depending on injuries and things, maybe maybe they'll they'll both be picked. But um I was just yeah I, I I don't know if he's playing himself in because I don't think he's played any better the last couple of months than he has the last couple of years, which isn't a criticism because I think mm. he's played well the last couple of years. But, you know, in the, in that, in the Real Madrid doubleheader, he didn't do anything special. And, and Talisa, I think, has been very solid, including for France, which Rabiot hasn't yet done. Mm. Although I, a neat thing for Rabiot, apparently he's got five goals this season, one in each of the five competitions he's played in. Isn't that neat? No. He strikes me as a neat person. <laughs> he's, uh, that's what um, I was going to say, hair aside. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> I mean, that also is, you know, there's a, there's a theme going on there. Um, so in attack, obviously, we've got Ben Yedder coming in for his debut. Dembele, who is um, uh, back after he's had a lot of injury worries. He got his debut goal for Barca against Chelsea. Uh, recently, we've got Giroud, who is now at Chelsea. Griezmann, obviously, who's got 23 goals uh, this season. Martial, Mbappe and Tovan as the options. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, Deschamps kind of organises this against two very different teams, uh, Colombia, then Russia. Um, so I think that, um, I mean, Griezmann and Mbappe are definitely going. Dembele probably is, especially if Komen doesn't come back. So, yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, you can add Lamar, as you said, for some reason he's down as a midfielder but Lamar, Martial and Ben Yedder I think are the ones that have got a lot to play for um, Ben Yedder just it's worth reading first of all his tweets after he was picked but also his interview in, in L'Equipe today he's obviously just so so happy to have been picked and it's just it's really really heartwarming to, to read and see so yeah I really hope he takes his chance I think probably it's between him and that that spot will probably be between 
him and Lacazette, who we've discussed before, has really oh, had a tough he's, season. He's got 19 goals this season, so he's the second top scorer after Griezmann um, in in the squad, ahead of Tovan with 18 and Mbappe with 17. You know, he is, and like you say, I love. We had, uh, you know, we used a picture of him a lot a couple of years ago, which was just his smile when he scores. He looks so bloody delighted to to be, you know, playing football and scoring goals. And that is a nice thing, I think, as a fan to yeah, watch definitely. people who aren't kind of, you know, smirking and snarling and scowling and, and being beaten down by things. Let's hope nobody, you know, um, you know, breaks breaks that lovely spirit and that wonderful smile um so one thing i noticed uh earlier there's a wonderful uh, tweet thread from michael cox zonal marking um i'll just quote one bit amongst the best things about the world cup build-up is countries choosing their friendly opponents based upon purely upon geographical proximity to their group stage opponents and he does a group by group guide of the world cup groups and who they're going to be playing in the friendlies. Uh, So for Group C, which is France, Australia, Peru and Denmark, no one has any suitable Australia prep. Peru are the priority, so France and Australia are playing Colombia Um, and Denmark are playing Chile. And it's an absolutely hilarious uh, thread. But yes, I mean, having seen Peru a couple of times, I'm not sure they're that's quite right but you know we'll we'll have to see how that pans out and uh, obviously further on down the road uh, France will be playing in May the Republic of Ireland so I don't know who you'd align them with possibly Denmark I don't know um, and in June we'll be playing Italy and the USA um, in the hope of further kicking the dreams of two teams who are just going to be sulking about not being there at all so how do we see these uh friendlies panning out i'm guessing a highly entertaining possibly high scoring uh game against colombia and then a frankly very cold and wintry potentially (laughs) nil nil draw away in russia does that sound fair (laughs) i think it does yeah yeah Um, (laughs) um it may well be that all those players that playing for a place in Russia will have to play for a place in, in Russia. Russia yeah yeah um yeah I think if I was if I was paying to one of those matches it probably would be the one in Paris <laughs> against Colombia um but you know that th- that's the thing about these these friendlies not long before the World Cup again it's it's there never seems an ideal time to have internationals um you know, just in the lead up to the to the season's run in where a lot of players have got a lot to play for for their clubs as well as wanting to stay fit for the World Cup. Um, you know, probably in some ways a lot of players would rather not be there, but the ones that are, don't know for sure yet if they're if they're gonna go, it's a fantastic opportunity for them and you just hope that players like Ben Yedder and Hernandez really really sort of grasp it and do something special. Definitely. Okay, so we're going to be looking forward to those games on Friday and Tuesday before Liga kicks in again uh, the week after. And we've also got the Coupe de la Ligue final to look forward to at 
the end of uh, end of the month. So hopefully we'll be back next week to round some stuff up. But you never know who's going to get stuck in what kind of traffic or weather related situation this time. So thank you very much for listening. I've been Philippa B and I've been joined by Jeremy Smith and we hope to have the rest of the team back next time. Thanks for listening and speak to you again soon.